In this episode, we're doing a brand new type of infusion, can of flour. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I am your host, Marge, and thank you for being here. I really appreciate your time and attention. This podcast wouldn't exist without listeners just like you. So before I get into this week's very unique recipe, I just want to mention a book that I've been reading lately, a book on Julia Child. It's actually, shit, what is it called? I've been reading it for the last like week and a half. My Life in France by Julia Child and co-authored by her grandnephew, Alex Proudhum, I think his last name is, or Proudhum. Uh, my French is a little bit rusty, although I do speak a little bit of French. Je peux parler un petit peu de français, mais mon français est très rouillé. Uh, that, that was me saying I can speak a little bit of French, but my French is pretty rusty. I really feel like I should be picking it up again. I was one of those French immersion students back in the day. I think it was a brand new thing when I was first starting out in school. My parents decided to enroll me into this French immersion program, which meant I was learning French from the age of kindergarten all the way through high school. And I actually got pretty proficient at French by the end. I was uh, good at French grammar, reading, writing, comprehension, all that stuff. But of course, I got out of school and didn't really use it too much. And if you don't use it, you lose it. My sister, on the other hand, had numerous jobs finishing high school after high school and used quite a bit of French. And now she's still pretty bilingual. So I have a little bit of envy there, but that's on me. So what can I do? But there is quite a bit of French in this uh, biography autobiography that was uh, that I I can understand. So that's kind of nice. I haven't lost it all. But in any case, Julia Child, for those of you who don't know, she's now passed away um, quite a while ago. I'm not really sure when. But she was an American woman who lived in France for a time and really got into French cooking. And I shouldn't say just got into it because she became a master French cook and ended up writing a cookbook. She co-authored it with a couple of other women, and it became a national bestseller back in the United States. And then she started her life on television, doing television shows, which is, I think, where a lot of people know her from more, maybe even more so than her cookbooks. But in any case, I just recall Julia Child because my mother, who also really loved to cook, intrigued my mother because my mother had traveled around the world herself. And and Julia Child really appealed to her. And I'm pretty sure she had some of her cookbooks too. And now oh, I would do anything to get my hands on those books because my dad certainly doesn't have them anymore. But that is something I'm going to be trying to thrift. I could go out and buy Mastering the Art of French Cooking, which is the book that she initially wrote with her two co-authors. And then they went on to write a volume two. And that one she co-authored with one of the other authors. And from what I can tell from this uh, biography that I'm reading, it was it was uh, almost an encyclopedia on French cooking. And I feel like anytime you pick up a book like that, that is sort of like the definitive work on a particular subject, that you're you're certain to learn something new and be able to enhance your own skills in the kitchen. Because I'm by no means close to even professional. And I understand that my technique can always use some refining in many areas and 
I really do enjoy cooking. So that's something I'm going to be looking to thrift because again, I could just hop on to Amazon and try and find it or get it very easily, very quickly. But sometimes it's kind of fun to thrift these things. And then not only that, you save a ton of money. In case in point, I recently listened to a podcast and the story of the person that was in the interview was so compelling that I I did do that. I just went and I bought her book off Amazon. It was just a paperback, so it wasn't too expensive, but I I bought it and it arrived at my house within a couple of days. And I haven't started writing it, reading it yet, sorry, because I have been reading this book by about Julia Child and her life in France and her 50-year marriage also with her husband, which seemed uh, very interesting as well, because they had a, a unique and very loving relationship. And he was a huge supporter of hers during the years that it took to write this cookbook. And in any case, I bought this book and then my daughter was out thrifting and she's just like, so how much did you pay for your book? Because she had heard the same podcast. She was the one that sent it to me actually and said, you need to listen to this one. And she was out thrifting. And what do you know? She found the book and paid about four fifty for it. And I definitely paid more than that. So thrifting is a fun way to find things that other people don't want anymore. They've given them away for some reason or another, and then you can enjoy them for a fraction of the cost. So sometimes I feel like thrifting can be a lot more fun too when you are looking for something specific. You're trying to keep your eye out and as long as it's not something you need like straight away, it can be it can make thrifting more interesting and challenging, I guess. And I always do love to check out the the thrift stores. My my daughter who owns a vintage shop as I've mentioned before, and my husband really likes to look for books too, like old 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 books. I'm not really into that, but I do like to go to the book section and I like to look for cookbooks or anything else that might catch my eye, the next novel I'm going to read or something like that. I have seen some cannabis cookbooks out there. They're not as easy to find. You don't see them as often, maybe because they haven't been as ra- around for as long, but it's a good way to pick up those types of books for your library or collection as well. You never know or anything you might want for your kitchen or that type of thing. So that's something else I like to try and keep my eyes open for. I haven't found too many yet, but I actually have seen a couple, but they weren't really ones that I wanted to add to my collection. I wasn't too eager to add to them to my collection because sometimes even if something's super cheap, you don't really need it or you're not, you know you're not going to use it, then there's really no point in picking it up because it's something you're probably just going to have to dispose of later. Maybe even return it, donate it to the same thrift store you bought it from. So in any case, that can be pretty, that can be a fun and interesting challenge to try and find cool, especially cannabis related things, because they are a little harder to find. But keep your eyes peeled. Next time you step into a thrift store, you never know what you're going to find. Now on to today's recipe. This one is a little bit different. And it does harken back to Ardent because they, I am doing this series on Ardent recipes from their website, because I am hoping to have Chanel, who is the inventor of the device on the show. So if you have any questions that you would love to ask her, let me know and I'll make sure I add them to the list of questions that I've been working on. But in any case, this one came from their website and I was super interested in it because I have never even thought about trying cannabis flour, canna flour. And you know, most of the time you think of edibles, you think of decarbing and then making it into an effusion so you can use it in your in your recipe of choice. But sometimes 
You don't have an infusion ready to go, but you might have decarbed cannabis. And can of flour, it says right from the website here, is the perfect method for infusion when you're fresh out of options. If you're making an infused bread, for example, you might not be able to get that too much infused oil into the recipe unless you're making something like a focaccia, naan, or something like that, because they're known for their oily textures. And in my own thoughts on this, I would have to agree because I do make bread on a regular basis. And in that particular bread recipe that I follow, which is I do it by memory now, of course, because I've made it so many times, but it's essentially flour, water, and salt. And there isn't really a way to add in any infusion if I wanted to do that. Now, of course, there's always ways to add it afterwards. You could always put just a bit of... You can always add in like an infused topping of some kind if you want, infused butter, for instance, right on top and eat it that way. I mean, that's a super simple way to get some cannabinoids into your system. But what if you wanted to make something that is more flour-based that doesn't have a lot of fat in it? Well, can of flour come to the rescue? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um Pair that with the fact that cannabis concentrates are a bit harder to find in some areas and that some folks are using their homegrown plants to infuse their food. And we've got what seems like an issue for finding the perfect dose for an entire loaf until can of flour steps into the picture that is. Can of flour adds color and dimension to baked goods of all kinds. And we're going to follow their easy to use directions below. So I will link to this article in the show notes and I'll have it written out as well as I typically do. It'll be in the show notes there. And then this is the type of recipe I'd also add to the recipes page on the website too, if you're looking for something specific um, or if you're looking for looking on that page as well. So how do we get started? It's super simple. Can of flour essentially uses the instant edible method to make an infused pre-measured ingredient that can be added to all types of baked goods, including cookies, cakes, breads, and more. Using the instant edible method comes in handy too, because there's no loss during the infusion step. You're eating all the available cannabinoids in the weed itself. It's just hidden decoratively in plain sight throughout the meal. When you store can of flour, it's also pretty discreet. Even if you use a see-through container, you can you usually can't tell that the ultra-fine specks of cannabis are from the flower itself. This might depend on the type of flower you're using too, of course. Now, and of course, you should always carefully label whatever it is that you are are storing. So don't forget, even if you, you know, for the discreetness, don't forget to label it somehow so that people know that, that it's an infused flower. They're not going to grab it and use it in something inadvertently and uh, dose themselves when they weren't expecting to. But basically the most, and I guess what they're saying as well here, which kind of makes sense is when you decarb your cannabis, you are going to, you, you know, you're decarbing at such a temperature to preserve the cannabinoids uh, and some of the terpenes as best you can during that decarbing process, but you probably do lose some more of the cannabinoids during the infusion process because you're heating it again. And of course, that doesn't happen when you're skipping that whole infusion process because essentially what you're going to do is you are going to start with, you're going to start by decarbing. So you have to have decarbed flour for this one. This is not one of the ones where you can skip that step because otherwise you're not activating the the tea or the your cannabis and then it's not going to be very potent at all that would be just like you know grinding up your weed and just eating it and it's certainly not going to be as effective as it should be 
Now, of course, if you have an Ardent Nova or an Ardent FX, the Nova is the one that's just for decarbing. And it's a wonderful little, I have an Ardent FX, so it can decarb and infuse. And I really do enjoy that machine a lot. Um, I find the decarbing is almost scentless, especially compared to the traditional oven method. Now, of course, if the oven method works for you and you don't have roommates or or young children, or, you know, people who are going to complain about it, or nosy neighbors, or you live in a place where it's not legal, because obviously that has a whole other host of ramifications, so we want you all to stay safe out there. The oven method works just fine. It is great. That's what I've used for years. Now, of course, if you are concerned about smell, the Ardent is a wonderful tool to use for that. Uh, and it actually holds quite a bit of cannabis. You can kind of pack it in there a little bit too. So you can do quite a bit of cannabis. And because it doesn't make any sound and it's scent, virtually scent free, then you don't have to worry about disrupting the smell in your house because your whole house will smell toasty if you do it in the oven. Um, Ardent did also just come out with a new lid for their devices that is supposed to keep the smell down even more. So if this is something that is a real concern, that something else to consider. But in my personal experience, I find the lid that just comes with the device works pretty great. And there might be a little bit of smell, but for me, I didn't notice very much at all. Further, you can also use uh, an, a sous vide device as well. So it's an immersion circulator. So that's another option too, because you're going to be closing off a bag and, and doing it in a hot water bath. It might take a little longer, but it is also going to be scent free because it's all contained in an airtight, obviously waterproof bag so that the, the weed doesn't get wet. But so there's a few different ways to skin the cat, as they say in this one. So you can do it whichever way that works best for you. Then you're going, so once you decarb the flour, you're going to decide how much, sorry, I can't talk today. Once you decarb your cannabis, you're going to decide how much you want to put in your flour. What they're suggesting here is one to five grams of ground decarbed cannabis flour per cup. And they are saying you can use an whole wheat, bread flour, almond flour, all-purpose flour. So basically any kind of flour that you can think of, anything. I typically use an, an organic unbleached all-purpose flour that I use for making bread and all kinds of stuff. It's the flour I would use for most things actually, but the almond flour of course is intriguing too for people who are trying to stay away from gluten, but any, pardon me, any flour will work. So after you decarb, and if you are like me and you do quite a bit of decarbing at first, you might have a bunch of decarbed flour in your pantry, then it's going to be even faster. So the only thing is you are going to want to grind up that flour. Most of the time you don't have to um, grind it up. You can just throw it on the pan, put it in the oven. Same with the Ardent or your immersion circulator. You don't need to to pre-grind this stuff. Half the time I don't even pick up the sticks or anything like that because it's all going to get strained. But you're going to strain it anyway. So <clears throat> in this particular instance, though, it's pretty important that you grind up the amount of, of uh, can of decarbed cannabis that you're going to be adding into the flour so that it mixes in uniformly and easily. So you might be using like um, a, a spice grinder of some kind, or you can just do it by hand with like a regular grinder of any kind. You just want to have it grind ground up finely. And now that I think about it, I can't even remember how I did it because I have a coffee grinder, which I obviously I did not use for that because I kind of want to 
keep the coffee grinder for the coffee. And I have on my list to buy myself another little spice grinder. If you have a little spice grinder, that would probably work really well too. I probably just ended up grinding it in a in a hand grinder. Um, a mortar and pestle would probably work as well if you have one of those and you're just wanting to go old, super old school. Once you do that, you're going to take that ground up material. And this is a case too where you do want to pick out the stems, as I mentioned. And then you're going to add it to your cup of flour. You close the lid on that jar and then you shake. And it's going to obviously intersperse your ground up material in with the flour. It's going to look a little speckled. It might depend, of course, if you're using like a whole wheat flour, sometimes you can see like it'll probably hide it a little better. But if you're using like an an all-purpose flour like I did, it's going to look a little speckled. But that's about it. It's, It's super easy, super easy. And that's why this is another one of those quick little tricks you can use. And I'm really glad I discovered this. I never would have really thought of doing doing something like this. I'm not sure why, because I think sometimes I think that you're going to have like a really nutty taste, but I did use it for a recipe that they recommended after this one. And they say, use your one cup of flour that you've made, can of flour in place of any cup of flour in any recipe. So if you're making a batch of cookies, this is a way to make them stronger if you want, because you could use this, the cookies in place of or the some of the flour and pl- with in place of this can of flour, along with your infusion infusion that you're going to be putting in with that recipe, that would apply to like muffins or whatever the case might be. So it is a way also to add more cannabis to your baking. Yeah, and it's super easy. So what I'm going to do as well with this recipe because it's so well done is they include a recipe for making cannabis infused pita bread. And I did try that as well. I've never made pita bread before. And I thought, well, this should be fun. And I really enjoyed making them. And so I ended up with infused pita bread. And that was great dipped with hummus or whatever toppings that you want to throw on it. Sometimes amazing for making sandwiches and stuff. And if you know what the potency of your of your pitas are going to be, and it's it's good to sort of figure that out before you go, then, you know, you might have something, you could keep it lower dose so that it's almost like a micro dose, if you will, for during the day, or make it a little stronger for more of those evening snacks. Um, and what they say here about that particular one, and honestly, the uh, cannabis infused pita bread is super easy because you're just using two cups of flour. One cup is your all-purpose flour. Your second cup is going to be the can of flour that you've just made. You can also add a teaspoon of can of salt. I just use regular salt because even though I do actually have can of of salt in my cupboard, I just use regular for now because I wanted to see what it was like with just the flour. Uh, You're going to need some instant yeast and water. Oh, and you do need... um, a tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil. And once again, this can be medicated or unmedicated. So this particular recipe, you have a few different ways you can infuse it. You can do it all with all three infusions, or you can do it with just the flour. But you preheat your oven to 500 degrees. Um, And they say here, because the activated cannabis is encapsulated in the dough, the internal temperature won't reach levels that will burn your cannabinoids off. So if you're wondering about that high temperature, it's not going to ruin ruin the effect. So you're going to let the baking sheet preheat inside the oven. 
um, in a bowl, combine, combine flour, can of flour, salt, yeast, water, and the oil, mix until shaggy, add a light brush of oil on each side of the dough, and then you're going to let it rise for a little bit, an hour and a half. Then you roll it into six equal pieces, form in the balls, you'll let them rise again. So that's the thing with making pita bread. These types of breads are fantastic, but they do require a little bit of advanced planning sometimes. And then you roll them out flat, let them rise another 15 minutes, and then you bake them in the oven. I did two at a time as they suggested. It's said to bake them for three minutes. And I found that they needed a little bit more time than that. And I think after you do a couple of them, you sort of realize what they might look like. And of course, again, this is why I like to make these and then before I do them for the show, because sometimes oven temperatures and ovens can really vary quite a bit. So they're, they were really easy to make and pretty fun. Um, and they actually did have the pocket on the inside of them. Again, I found I needed a bit more than the three minutes, but they didn't take that long to bake once you had done all that stuff. And there is, it does, there are a lot of steps to this one, but most of us hands off time, not hands on time. So don't let that discourage you from trying these out some afternoon when you have a little bit of extra time in your kitchen. I think you'd really enjoy it. But I would love to hear, have you ever made can of flour before? And how did you like it? And what did you use it for? Did you use it in combination with an infusion or salt or something like that as well? Or just straight up the can of flour? I think that that's it for this week, folks. I hope you have a good one. And until next week, my friends, stay high. Fuck. Sorry. I am totally got distracted there. What they call here a can of flour is essentially... And I just want to say thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks a lot, everybody. <laughs>